Hey guys, welcome to Internal Medicine and Beyond. I'm your host, Varun Aitharaju, and I'm a fourth-year medical student at Northeast Ohio Medical University. This podcast is for aspiring internists and subspecialists eager to learn about the breadth and variety of internal medicine. I know as a medical student, I hear about the variety the specialty has to offer, but I decided to start this podcast and personally hear stories from physicians so they can talk about their experience in this specialty. Here I have Dr. Irene Chenoweth, an internal medicine physician at Summa Health in Akron, Ohio. She went to medical school at the University of Toledo and internal medicine residency at Akron General. She has worked since attending for 39 years and has worked with medical students and residents throughout her career. So thank you, Dr. Chenoweth, for coming on. My pleasure. So going to the first question, tell us a little bit about why you chose internal medicine. Well, actually, when I was in medical school, um, as I was finishing up, I actually interviewed for OB-GYN. I was interested in OB at the time, and, um, and I still think that's a, a great field. Uh, but I realized pretty early on, or at least my, my feeling was that it was kind of a hurry-up-and-wait kind of lifestyle that uh, I thought probably didn't suit me, my personality it wasn't the lifestyle that I wanted. So I actually, at the very last moment, ended up doing what's called a, a transitional year. So I did a rotating internship. Now. And, um, and during that internship, I uh, uh, did, of course, several uh, internal medicine clerkships or uh, rotations, but also surgery. Um, I think I did radiology and, uh, and the sort. And what I realized is that um, I, I actually... I liked everything a bit, and that continued on even to into residency. I liked all, everything some, but nothing really grabbed me um, as far as uh, this is what I wanted to do, just this or whatever. So I ended up um, going into internal medicine, and to be perfectly honest, I mean, I got credit for my first year, so that helped. And then my thought was to um, do internal medicine, which I enjoyed. And then again, I really enjoyed, you know, cardiology and neurology and the different rotations, whatever. So um, when I finished up, uh, I you know, did my internal medicine, graduated. And even then I thought, well, I'll just go out and work for a couple of years and eventually go back and do a specialty. And it never happened. I enjoyed so much what I was doing. And I realized I like the variety um, of what I, what I do and what I, and I see. And the opportunities, I mean, it's endless as far as what you can do, inpatient, outpatient, um, generalist, specialist. Um, and then it's a great springing board for other opportunities, opportunities for um, like for education, for teaching, for administrative work. And, um, and I've done all of that over the years in, in my career and, and thoroughly enjoyed it. So internal medicine, it, for those who don't know what they want to do, you can't, you can't uh, go wrong. Right. doing a year or even three years of, of medicine training because it's a great springing board and foundation for whatever, even if you end up in anesthesia, anesthesia or radiology. I mean, it's a great, uh, uh, as I said, basis or foundation for, for um, your future career. Right. Awesome. So what are some aspects of internal medicine that are exciting to you and that you really feel can change the field of hospitalist or primary care medicine? Uh, well, there again, there's so many opportunities, um, not just for patient care, but for education and administrative work. Um, and then, you know, it, uh, fields are the fields always changing. Um, I know a couple of things. You were on rotation with me last month, and uh, one of the um, uh, skills that we were uh, attempting or uh, working at uh, was POCUS, the point of care ultrasound. 
which is one of the things that I'm most uh, has piqued my interest recently. And uh, um, at first I thought, because I'm pretty far along in my career, as you uh, I'm sure aware or whatnot. And I wondered, is this a, a skill that I really need to develop or acquire myself? But, uh, but it's so cool. <laughs> I mean, it's so much fun. And it's, I think, um, uh, point of care ultrasound is where it's at right now. I mean, it's one of the most exciting tools in our armamentarium since, uh, you know, since the stethoscope or whatever. And um, so as I kind of looked at that a little bit and, and, and certainly your generation and, and, and behind absolutely obviously need to uh, learn this skill. Um, but, it, and it's really not that hard, <laughs> you know, once you stick with it and that's, I enjoy learning. So, um, and that's part of why uh, I do what I do is because it's, it's fun to learn. It's fun to share. What is it? Uh, see one, do one, teach one. Um, so, um, so that's fun. Um, another thing too, which I'm going to, um, take the opportunity to plug, uh, during this time is uh, informatics. I, I don't know. I think uh, I had mentioned to you briefly, uh, when we talked last month, that clinical informatics is a specialty, a medical specialty that I, I find is still kind of not well known. Um, it's a it's a board certification through the American Board of Preventive Medicine, and uh, it's a fellowship that's offered. Um, I forget all the different backgrounds that you can use to to uh, go into it. You can internal medicine certainly. I think family medicine, maybe pathology, emergency medicine, that uh, are some of the, the ones that you can. You have to have a um, certification, board certification in one of those fields. And then you can do, I, I can't remember, it's a year or two-year fellowship. Um, but then you can take your board exam and if you, assuming you pass away, but then your board certified in uh, clinical informatics. So it, I really enjoy computers and um, uh, data. And so this was a great way to blend, um, obviously, my medical background with with computer work. So I'm pretty active uh, where I am at the institution where I am as far as in informatics. And uh, I don't know if you're aware or not, but we're going to a new version of our current EMR. So I've been, so I've been working with uh, the powers to be um, as far as developing protocols and Mm -hmm. setting up uh, default um, settings and things like that. So that's a lot of fun too. Yeah. So it's, is informatics just kind of a way for us to better um, collect data and better kind of improve the process of medicine? Is that kind of how you would describe it or is it? Yes. And yes. And more. Um, okay. So yes, it's, it's really the real the key utility is collecting data mm-hmm. um, and working like in, in artificial intelligence, and AI, but also documentation. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't, it's a lot of it is some of, not a lot, some of it is, of course, for um, administrative purposes, billing purposes, as far as um, documentation, but that's just part of it. Um, uh, And what I found is that, and even, you know, we're generations apart as far as practice, but what I found, even my younger colleagues, how resistant they are to uh, using or fully uh, appreciating what all the electronic medical record offers um, and so um, I jumped on board to, and hopefully I'm an advocate kind of working between administration and the medical staff as far as um, utilizing the EMR and having it, setting it up so that it works for us and not against us, if, right. if you know what I mean. Yeah. 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 
So Dr. Shanamuth, you are someone that is predominantly outpatient. Um, what are some of the rewarding and the stressful aspects of outpatient general medicine? So rewarding, um, as I've already said, the uh, diversity, using that both in the term that is used today, as well as just the variety of conditions and um, diseases that we see. Um, you, you sure, it's not boring, that's for sure. <laughs> in fact, it's quite challenging, which which is good too. Um, but uh, so I'm a person, I like, you know, I can see somebody with uh, COPD and then you know, diabetes and then anxiety disorder or whatever. I mean, it's just, there's such a variety of conditions and, and um, diseases to, to deal with or work with. Um, but probably one of the most important things, one of the things that I really enjoyed the most is um, the relationships that you um, develop over the years. And again, um, I mean, I have patients now that I'm seeing their kids and their grandkids and, uh, you know, and I know the, the families and, and that's really very rewarding, very gratifying. So I, I would say that, in fact, I've often thought if I had gone in into something, I don't know, like emergency medicine or something like that, I think I would really miss those relations. I know I would really miss those relationships. Um, so as far as um, uh, what the challenges, um, the breadth of material can be daunting at times. <laughs> I mean, I still go home after doing this for a long, long time. I still go home sometimes um, wondering, if I, wondering if I should really be doing this. Maybe I should have specialized or whatever because um, it, it, you know, it, can, it can get a little overwhelming at times. But, uh, but, uh, but that's, that's okay. Um, as far as keeping up, um, what you need to do is just realize nobody can know it all. And so you, so you need to know how to access. You need to know what you need to have a, curio a curiosity to look things up and you need to um, know how to access information rather than trying to memorize it all. Um, probably um, stepping back, um, speaking in generalities, one of the uh, challenges about primary care, general internal medicine, ambulatory medicine is um, coping with uncertainty. And sometimes, again, this can, and some people, you know, we all have uh, differing thresholds uh, as far as coping with uh, uncertainty. But uh, there are times, you know, that, you know, you're not sure what's going on. And that can be very uncomfortable. <laughs> and, um, you know, sometimes I wake up at night and, you know, a patient pops in my head or whatever. And I think, and it's funny because sometimes all of a sudden it's like, oh, you know, here's what might be going on or here's what I need to do. Mm -hmm. um, so, so the uncertainty element, I think uh, we all have it, um, but I think maybe even more so in general internal medicine where we have, or we're, we're spread. We know why well, I always say we're a jack of all trades, a master of none. But, um, and then um, the last thing I would mention is, um, and then again, not just in, in internal medicine or whatever, but uh, are those difficult patients that, uh, that we have to deal with, you know, and how do we, you know, how do we do that? And I always, I tell students and residents, because um, it, it, you only get a snapshot or certainly a short video, if you will, of what internal medicine is like when you have your clinic days. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I talk about the mature practice and by that, what I mean is that um, after, you know, first couple of years, you know, 
patients are new to you, you're new to, to patients. And um, sometimes you get along uh, with some uh, more so than others. Those, some of those patients, so you kind of, um, they learn your style. You learn, you know, you, you kind of let them know what you're um, willing, the limits or the extent of, of what you're willing to do. And if they don't like that, um, they oftentimes will basically fire you, if you will, or they move on. And so after a couple of years, you're kind of left with a, a practice of patients that they understand you and you understand them. You're willing to work together in ways or, uh, you're, and, and it gets, it gets easier and, and more fun too, much more pleasant. So, right. That's a good point. You mentioned, you know, for, for maybe the pre-medical or the medical student listening, to go into internal medicine, you have to be okay with certain things, right? Okay with uncertainty, but also willing to grow and, and learn continuously because internal medicine is a very rapidly changing field, like some other medical fields are as well. Um, but if you're between like internal medicine or emergency medicine, maybe the differentiating factor may be, do I want to have patient relationships and do I want to continue them throughout, throughout maybe generations too as well? Right. Um, and actually you bring up a, a great point too, Varun. Um, the learning from patients, because, um, and, and again, with that ongoing relationship, you see what happens. You see the results of prescribing a medication or the test results and that sort of thing. Some of the best ED uh, docs that I know, you'll see them up on the floor. Well, not so much anymore because they don't have to go to look at the charts or whatever. They can just look in the chart or whatever, but do that follow-up so they know, yeah, I had the right diagnosis or no, I didn't or whatever. So that follow-up, However you get it uh, is really important. Right. Good point. So this is a tougher question, I think. Um, in case a subspecialist, like a cardiologist or an oncologist is listening, what do, you have, what do you hope they realize about primary care and how can you help, how can they help you and vice versa? Yeah, I know. I, I had actually, I think that is a great question. And, um, and I hope I answer this um, uh, diplomatically. <laughs> so that's because this, this is very, uh, this was, I think, the best question on your list of uh, questions. Um, so what I would say is that it's important for all of us, um, general specialists, um, that we realize that, uh, and, and, and ancillary folks, whatever, that we're a care team. And I would emphasize the uh, word team. And, um, you know, we're not just taking care of patients in a silo or in a system. So what I think is really, really important is communication. And this isn't, this isn't sophisticated or whatever. Um, it's just that, uh, but it's, so, it's basic, but it's so critical. And when I say communication, um, you know, again, the shared electronic medical record is a great start or tool. Of course, not everybody's on the same EMR. Um, or even on an EMR at all, but, um, but that, that's helpful as far as, um, and I, the, the specialists, I think are much better copying, um, the primary, uh, on, on their visits and that sort of thing. And, and that's a good thing. Um, I tell the students and residents that I work with in the clinic, um, frequently if we're, um, seeing a patient and I don't know, adding or decreasing the ferrosamide or something for heart failure, whatever, to make sure we copy, the um, cardiologists or the involved uh, specialists as well, so they know what, what we're doing. Keep them in, to keep them in the loop. In fact, I think when you were in service last month, a, a big um, um, paper thing that I like to do is I like to make patient uh, other docs aware when they're patient, whether it's specialists or generalists or whatever. Well, of course, we're the generalists, but the specialists make them aware that their patient is in the hospital. 
Um, so that's important. Communication is important. Um, sometimes on really complex patients, there's no substitute for just picking up the phone and talking to each other. Yeah. <laughs> and for some reason, I don't see us doing that a whole lot. I, I'm not sure. And it's, it, it's always been that way. It's not just even current times. What I know we're all busy. It's sometimes hard to find um, each other. Of course, we've got now perfect serve and different means or whatever. So we, you, you can find, find whoever you need to talk to. But I don't think I've ever had a doctor who that I, I called and didn't, you know, wasn't uh, more than, you know, happy to discuss the patient's case or whatever. And many times that the, uh, specialist or the other doc will give me their, you know, cell phone number or whatever. And, and, and of course, I don't abuse it, um, but so that we can communicate back and forth. So I'd say pick up the doggone phone and talk to people when you need to, you know, when, when all else fails. So um, the other thing um, I would mention, too, is that um, when we ask for a consult or referral from a specialist, it's really, uh, it's important to be clear what it is that we're asking for. And by that, um, I mean that uh, not only the clinical question, but also what is it that we expect or want the specialist to do as far as do we want them to actually write the orders or just give us advice and we'll put in the orders. Do they, we want them to co-manage the patient um, or do they, we want them to take over care? And again, that can go both inpatient and outpatient. Um, but uh, I think that it's our responsibility to make sure that we make, make it obvious what we're asking for um, because I've had all of the above, you know, where the patient um, uh, just ends up falling up with the patient or the specialist ongoing indefinitely <laughs> for a condition versus sometimes like for diabetes, I just want to get the insulin regimen or whatever the regimen down or psychiatry, same thing. You know, I just want a, um, I want the, uh, the uh, regimen. And then once the patient's stable, I can do the refills and things like that. So that's, um, I would say for generalists, please, you know, make sure that you're, you're clear as far as what you're requesting. And then the other side, on the flip side with the specialists, um, I've heard it more than uh, one, myself included, whatever. Sometimes it can kind of get annoying um, when specialists take over care and then start consulting other specialists um, uh, without keeping the primary in the loop or talking to the primary about maybe a condition that we've already, for example, like sleep apnea or something like that, we've already diagnosed or whatever. So that's, <laughs> that's, those would be some of the suggestions that, um, that uh, I would put out there, both for um, the generalists and the specialists. But again, I'd go back to just remember that we're a team and, um, and we need to communicate um, and not work in silos. Right. Makes sense. So as someone who has continued to work closely with residents and interns, um, what do you feel like is important to emphasize in medical education so incoming interns can better prepare themselves for uh, patient care? Another good question. So thinking about this one, this one kind of gave me some pause for thought. And um, so what I I would say is that in medical school, you learn the, the basic sciences, you learn pathology, biochemistry, physiology, and that sort of thing or whatever. Um, and some 
you know, obviously there's some students that are stronger than others or whatnot. But when you come into the, uh, when you come into residency and the practice of medicine, it's a different, um, it's a different scenario or it's it's a different uh, working condition in that now you're applying that knowledge. And that's where I actually see um, sometimes students struggling. Uh, Again, can be very book smart, but um, applying that to a living, breathing patient in front of you is a different skill set. So um, I think you may have heard me say before, you know, patients come in, they don't come in saying I have pneumonia or I have heart failure. They come in saying, you know, I'm short of breath or I just don't feel good. So, and then the, the next point I would make is um, you're integrating that knowledge in the, when you're, you're applying it to the patient in front of you and then you're pulling the uh, systems together, if you will. And so again, oftentimes like heart failure may not be just due to, you know, one condition or one thing. Heart failure is a syndrome, you know, it's, it's, so it could be coronary disease. It could be substance abuse. It could be both. And so that's why, so remember to, um, to integrate the systems together. And then um, the last point that I noted, or I would note is that um, um, prior prioritizing. um, And that's one I see again, um, sometimes when uh, practitioners are first starting out, uh, they don't necessarily get this one right. So um, again, in internal medicine, especially general internal medicine, we, we see patients with a whole host of problems. They, a patient may come to your office with uh, knee pain, um, and that's, that's important to them. Obviously, they're there for that reason or whatever, but you might notice their pressure is 200 over 110 or something like that. And so that needs to be bumped up to the top of the list. And so um, when we address it, you don't want to ignore their knee pain, obviously, or whatever, but you need to, um, that's an opportunity to, um, work with the patient and help them understand that uh, there's some conditions sometimes that they're not even aware of that need to be prioritized and then we'll get to your knee pain and that sort of thing. So those would be just a couple things. I would suggest that uh, uh, students who are graduating from medical school starting into uh, residency be aware of. That's a really good point. Um, So medicine continues to change rapidly every year. What are some aspects that you feel need to be highlighted in the current medical education system? I know we kind of talked about this a little bit, but um, just kind of to prepare themselves for the changing medical landscape, I guess. Sure. Well, as some of the comments that I've just made already or whatnot, but um, what I would say as far as, I'm not sure this is really going to answer your question directly, but as far as medical education goes, I, as I reflect back over the years that I've been uh, teaching, Mm Um, it's really been interesting for me. We, the teachers have needed uh, to change our styles. And I think some of us have and some may not have. But it, there was a time um, before having so much information literally at your fingertips that we would go on rounds. Now I'm kind of shifting. Well, this could be an office or in, in the hospital. But we would see an interesting, uh, a, a patient with an interesting uh, condition or disease and it would be, um, okay, Barun, look this up tomorrow. And we did a little bit of it, but, uh, but not like we used to. But, it, you know, look up sickle cell disease and we'll talk about sickle cell tomorrow. Nowadays, <laughs> you know, it's very different. We, you, know, you see the patient, 
come out and somebody on the team has already looked up sickle cell or looked up our answers or whatever. And you have it right there at your, um, you know, right, right. Almost instantly. So what I've found as an educator is that um, my role is to facilitate um, teaching rather than to teach because really learning is self-directed at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, But what, what I find is that, um, you know, I used to joke around say all the time, I'm much better at asking the questions than I am at uh, answering the questions or whatever. But I, from experience, know uh, what questions need to be asked or, or to be uh, answered. At this point, the learner oftentimes doesn't even know what they, you don't know what you don't know, right? Right. So I, so my point is that uh, we, I facilitate um, uh uh, teaching or education and so I ask those questions that you may not have thought to ask and then um, and then again uh, you know you can you it's it's critical to know uh, to be know where and how to access information so you need a couple of, of really good sources for me I, everybody well we'll keep this non-propriety but uh, so there are a couple that uh, they kind of simple go-to that lots of students and residents go to, but there are many, many really good uh, resources out there. And so um, I would say to familiarize yourself with at least, you know, a couple and, and, and look at, at different ones too, because you'll get different perspectives um, from the various um, resources. So anyway, so we're facilitators of education rather than teachers, but. Right. Uh, right. That's a good that's point. A, you, you mentioned like teaching how to think is important because yeah of all the information available. You don't know what you don't know until you really look into it and ask those questions. So, um, right. Yeah. So last question, uh, to pitch internal medicine to an incoming medical student, what is your quick and dirty summary about what internal medicine is all about and what to, what types of people it attracts? So internal medicine is where it's at. No, <laughs> I'm an right. no but internal medicine, um, you'll never get bored. Um, the opportunities, uh, it, it's a it's a um, a great foundation for any field of medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, there are many opportunities uh, as far as not, it, patient care, but also um, teaching and administrative work. Um, as far as um, it, you'll never get bored, you know the variety of what you're going to see. Um, it's it's great, especially. Um, the person that uh, should go into internal medicine or considered, um, you want to have good communication skills um, and uh, hopefully you can appreciate relationships. So um, yeah, it's, it's been a really wonderful uh, uh, career. I wouldn't do it any differently. And um, I actually hope to uh, continue a few more years anyways. Awesome. Awesome. That's, that's great. Those are all my questions. Thank you, Dr. Chenoweth, for coming on and speaking about your experience and uh, answering all these questions. Oh, it's my pleasure. And uh, I really enjoyed having you on service last month and look forward to working with you again. Thank you. 